Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you, it's Saturday evening. It's story time. We are into chapter 17 of A White Stone. Remember where we left off in 16, where Tom's wife, Sally, was beginning to question uh, maybe whether they had been living according to God's plan. A lot of things that she was discovering, she picked up a book, In His Steps, an experiment in how Jesus would walk if he were here today. And she read that book and she thought, boy, what a coincidence. That was her thought as she turned back toward her bedroom and settled in to read. So with that, we're going to catch back up. This will be chapter 17. As always, we'll start from our Father's heart. I know what this is. I know that this is hard for you to comprehend at times, but your sins no longer exist as far as I'm concerned. If you've turned them over to me through Jesus, any failure you've had, any wrong you've done or do is no longer in heaven's register if you repent to me. My desire is for you to walk in the liberty that has been brought, that has been bought at a cost, great cost for you. Do not be weighed down by worldly cares. You cannot see me clearly through guilt and fear. I am a loving God. You are my child. Why do you resist my love? Even if I am talking to you through a trial, it is for your good. I know best. Please know that I am with you through it. As a father protects his first steps of an infant, I shield you. Just trust me. The power of my love can make a way. Joshua 24 verse 15 says, Choose this day whom you will serve. No one had stopped him in the lower lobby, but recently it seemed as though he was able to go pretty much wherever he wanted. Let's see, 1122. Oh yeah, just down the hall from Tiny's room, train, train remembered, pushing the button with the number 11 on it. Hmm, they're not really buttons, just little recesses with lights in them. But when I put my finger in one of them, the door closed, so it must work, he thought to himself. I wonder what makes it work. It must be the heat from your finger, Train mused, knowing that if he had a pin or something cold on him, he would try to see if that, that worked as well. Oh well, not enough time, he realized as the bell announcing his arrival on the 11th floor halted his search for a pen. All he could produce was a stick of juicy fruit gum that tasted like a combination of coat leather and sweet juice. He stepped from the elevator and said a silent prayer to his father for wisdom and power. Crystal had become somewhat annoyed at the tardiness of this plowboy. She had strategically arranged everything in the room in its proper place for an added impact and optimum effect on her unsuspecting prey. Even flowers, lots of flowers, that she herself had sent, had sent added that special touch of vulnerability that needed atmosphere in the Stark hospital room. Positioning herself comfortably upright in bed, allowing the covers to be lowered just enough to more than interest any normal functional human male, and allowing a tuft of her long red hair to hide a small portion of her barely concealed flesh, she waited. The large bandages on both of her wrists Bandages that could have been removed by now and replaced by smaller ones were only evidence of a reason for her hospital stay. She knew they would invoke sympathy, and she was not about to miss any opportunity to be in control. 1120, 1121, 1122. Train entered the room and immediately turned around and left, just as Crystal was about to issue her honey-like greeting. What the? she said out loud. Where are you going? Moments later, Nurse Thelma Matliner walked through the door. Thelma noticed with disgust, as had the other nurses, 
the preparations Crystal had been making, and she seems extremely delighted to give her a message from Train. Mr. Winslow has asked me to tell you that when you are decent, he will come back into the room. Triumphantly, she turned about face and proceeded to walk out the door, pausing only long enough to grab a cotton hospital housecoat and throw it in Crystal's direction, then defiantly commenting over her shoulder, as if to add insult to injury to the now off-balance pouting child, he also wants me to be in the room all the time he is here. If you agree to that, you can buzz, and we'll be ready. If not, he needs to be leaving. That felt really good, Thelma chuckled as to she quietly cheering nurses at the station. I've wanted to do something like that ever since that spoiled brat came in here. I think she has her hands full. Train had quietly taken a chair over in the corner, neither noticing nor caring about the admiring looks sent his way by Thelma and her night crew. He was grieving in his heart, as he knew his Lord was, for someone so lost and needy of God's love and forgiveness. Why does that guy think, who does that guy think he is, as if I would stoop so low as to do what he thought I was doing? Why, I've got a mind to, she paused. You've been caught. Now get ready and listen to what this man has to say, came a very unfamiliar voice, a voice that some people might consider a conscience a voice that Crystal long ago had stopped listening to, but for some reason knew she needed to heed it at this time. After approximately ten minutes, the light for room 1122 indicated that Crystal had agreed to the terms set forth by the train through Thelma. Would you have Mr. Winslow come in now? came the somewhat timid, very uncharacteristic voice through the intercom. I'm ready. Thelma, followed by train, entered Crystal's room. Crystal had put on the very unfeminine hospital robe and steeled herself to regain control of the situation. As is always the case, the man of God's glowing warriors had preceded him and prepared the way for God's work to be done. Looking through spiritual eyes, one would see a bright glowing hedge of protection around the perimeter of the room, locked in position and ready, available and very willing to totally eliminate any ignorant dark foe attempting to return to his willing host and familiar prey. Now that the premises were secured, the man of God was given permission to speak by the Holy Spirit. I have a message for you, Train began, before Crystal was able to say anything. What is it? was Crystal's off-balance response that surprised even her. Your life is a vile taste in the mouth of the living God, Train began in a voice almost too quiet to hear, but one that carried the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to obliterate any opposition. You have three times now been saved from committing yourself to eternal damnation by your Father in heaven, because he has called you to do much more than you know. You have consumed all that he has given you upon your own selfish desires, and your actions are a stench in his nostrils. This day, says the Lord, you must make a choice. Choose life or choose death. Wide-eyed and looking very much like a cornered rabbit, frantically searching for a bit, uh, for but uh, finding uh, no place to hide, Crystal sat in fearful silence as the final astounding revelation was given to her. That night, outside your parents' room, when you and Boofer, your teddy bear, Crystal jerked as even if an electric shock had stiffened her joints, the night you heard them say that they hated you and wished you had never been born, Jesus was there also and now removes the hurt that you've carried for all of these years. Pools of unfamiliar tears, Crystal had sworn she would never shed again, were stifled at a, out of habit and sheer tenacity. How did he know? No one knew. I was there alone and never told anyone. How did this man know? 
Jesus would again say to you, Johnny Laster's death was not your fault. The ropes were old, and you couldn't have known about the pitchfork. Once more, Crystal pressed tighter into her pillows as the word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit through this mortal man impacted her inner being with force enough to hold her immobile. She could think of nothing to say, but the memories, those hidden, fearful, dark memories that had been covered by every available distraction played vividly, lifelike in her mind. She saw this little girl and her riding mates in the barn, in the loft of the riding academy. She saw herself taunting Johnny Laster to tears, chiding him mercilessly to get on, the, uh, get in the barrel, which was rigged with ropes attached to the barn corners, and saddled to provide a bucking bronc ride when the ropes were pulled. She saw, as if an instant replay, the little girl with malice and hatred in her heart for this weakling of a boy, pull and pull harder, harder and harder, with strength beyond her years until the bronc was violent with movement. She saw. She couldn't look at it again. No, she saw the rope break, and Johnny lying into the, and flying into the hay, landing face down, not moving. She saw the four blooded coat, blood-coated metal fork tines protrude through his small back as he spasmed grotesquely, and then he went silent forever. And she knew he was dead because she had wanted him to die. Nobody ever said it, but she knew. And she lived every day with that hole inside of her, the hole that was left when Johnny died. Crystal looked pleadingly into the eyes of her large assailant with an unspoken request to, Please, please make it go away. Make the pain go away. I speak healing into your wounded spirit and life, God's life into your broken heart. For several brief moments, Train stood quietly, his head lowered, waiting to see if he should say any more. Then tenderly and gently he took Crystal's hand, and he covered it with his other massive hand. Looking into the blue eyes of this quieted foe, he began, You need to know that even though your life seems to have been a waste up until this moment, there is still time to change. God loves you, and it is no mistake that you were born. A reassuring smile covered his handsome face as he spoke, affirming all that had taken place. With that, Train turned and quietly walked from the room, leaving Thelma, who thought she had already been just seen just about anything, standing wide-eyed with her mouth open. Train walked past the nurse's station to the elevator, leaving the five nurses who had been listening on the intercom dumb with wonder. Silently following him with their eyes, they looked like five matching white doves, moving their heads in unison. They stood silently, looking at the elevator long after the doors had closed to carry its cherished cargo to the lobby floor. And only after candy striper Connie McFarland rounded the corner with her noisy flower-laden cart and bubbly greeting were they shaken back to their duties. Thelma and Crystal briefly stared at one another, not knowing what else to do. Then Thelma moved toward the quietly sobbing child in the bed in front of her and embraced her. Crystal embraced her back, and for the first time in as long as she could remember, she submitted to the feelings that she had deliberately stifled at such a young age, and she cried. Floods of tears and gut-wrenching groans of release hurt flowing painfully as Thelma held her. Sure, she was in the arms of a stranger, not her mama or her daddy, whom she needed so badly. But for now, these arms would do. Thelma looked out the window at the painted sky, lit by the lights of the city, and she held her first foe and soon-to-be friend, promising her that she would call her own daughter to tell her how much she loved her. Throughout that quiet night, numerous phone calls were made from the nurses' stations to parents and children and loved ones just to say hi and I love you. To groggy recipients, awakened 
from a sound sleep. Whew, wow, what a powerful chapter. What a powerful thought of just exactly how much God loves even some that we might consider being the worst of the worst and, and what he does in the process. The fact that he never gives up on us. The fact that he is constantly looking for an opportunity to speak peace into our broken lives, healing into our broken hearts. Man, I'm excited. I hope you're excited as well. It's just getting better all the time, isn't it? As God pours out on this unsuspecting crowd that seems to gather around this man, Train, as God's Spirit truly flows through him. Think about Train while you process all of this. Think about the fact that he was a street thug who didn't know anything else but street. He, he was mean. He was cruel. He lived to, to survive. And only through the Word of God, taking in the Word of God, just reading the Bible and allowing the Spirit of God to, to speak to him through his Word, he, he read the Word and he believed it. Think about that for a minute. He read the Bible and he believed what it said. And it changed him forever. Wow. What a novel idea that we get into God's word and allow it to change us forever. Powerful. The living word of God, the Holy Bible, it can change lives still today. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for following along on our podcast. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. We seem to be healing up finally, maybe getting over some of our crud, about to get all of our faculties back in order. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. All of our giving links are on our website, www.livingloudoutdoors.com. We've added a new Zephy link as well that, uh, man, is, a, is awesome as far as I'm concerned because it allows us to receive from you completely uh, fee-free and you to give fee-free. So uh, 100% goes into the ministry. We're excited about that. Thank you for praying over us, praying with us, walking with us on this journey as we seek out that which is lost so that they may be found. God bless you, Ron, and I love you. We'll talk to you again real soon.